atmosphere of worship here. And then um, at the end, I'm going to share some announcements with you. And uh, we're going to do something. I'm going to announce something pretty interesting, pretty awesome for our ministry. But I, I want to kind of just get into today's word and, and just keep the worship in. Amen? Can we do that? Amen. Today is um, part six of our of our war um, series. As we jump into part six, I wanted to end it with a title called Victory. That's what I wanted to title it. Because we focused on so much the last five weeks that I think the right thing to do is to end it by saying, listen, at the end we win. And I've shared something similar to we win because God won already. And I was going a whole different route when I was preparing this message. And then God just changed it and brought a story that we know so much of. And I think he brought it back to the remembrance so that we won't forget the victory we have in him. You know, as we get into the message, think about the last five weeks. The first week, our message was titled, You Must Decide. Show me your hands if you remember that one. You must decide. You remember that? All right. And we talked about you being ready to fight for what's behind you. You guys remember that? I brought my wife back here and I put her behind me. And I talked about are you ready to go to love for that thing that you love? Are you ready to go to war, sorry, for what you love? And I, I mentioned a quote from G.K. Chesterton. In part one, week one of our series, and I said, the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. We talked about in the next six weeks how we're going to declare war on these things that are behind us and that we love. And I pray that in the last six weeks you've been doing that. And I pray that you've been doing that certain areas in your life with your family and other things that are personal to you and then we came in the second week and we titled it evil's future if you remember that and evil's future we talked about rising up against wickedness I showed you an interesting thing that happened to me through social media on the screen and how it's time to rise up against wickedness how it's time to take a stand against evil to take a stand and, and that you would remember in evil's future, that you would remind evil and that you would remind wickedness of its future and that you would rise up and war against wickedness. That was week two. I'm not sure if you guys are disciplining yourselves to do that. If you're fighting against evil, against wickedness. And I'm not just talking about Satan. I'm talking about some of the deepest wickedness that are inside our human man amen and then we jumped into week three where i said he's a friend of mine i don't know if you guys will forget that one i know i, I would never forget that message and we talked about that in this war that we've proclaimed that there is one who stands for us who calls us friend and we covered some points that i pray that you've reviewed and you've gone back on since that week and that they've changed your life and that they're changing your life even today as we talked about he's a friend of mine and then in week four we got a little bit personal we started to speak about our marriages and about our family and we titled week four for better or for worse I believe that that message was for so many more people than actually responded to it that's for sure we talked about marriage and we talked about family and we talked about fighting for it in a day when warring and fighting for our family and spouses is rare. In a day when men look at other men and say, you're tired of your wife, just go to a strip club. In a day when a woman will tell a woman, you're tired of your husband, just get divorced. But we did a declaration and we said, no, God's called us to this rib. God's called me to this family. And it's for better or for worse. You guys remember that one? That was week four. And then last week, we titled it War Essentials. 
And we were reminded of some biblical and some spiritual disciplines that were needed to sharpen and to bring growth into the lives of a believer. As we engage in this war and as we engage in daily battles. How we need to pray and how we need to fast and how we need to worship. How we need to fellowship. How we need to serve. And we talked about war essentials last week in week five. And I hope that you've disciplined yourself and you're sharpening yourself with these essentials to grow in your spiritual walk. Amen. But today is our last part of our war series. And I have a an amazing series coming up in about a month or so. You guys want to know the title of it already? I normally don't do this because I like to show you the graphic first and if we do a video, a video first, but I'm going to kind of give you a sneak peek. And our next series uh, that's going to start up real soon as we get all the topics kind of in order, it's going to be titled The Diary of... Not The Diary We edit that from the podcast. It could be Diary That's things. The Diary of a Wimpy Christian. Yeah. That's going to be our next series, The Diary of a Wimpy Christian. And, and I just can't wait to get into that one. I mean, you thought I was excited for war. I can't wait to talk about The Diary of a Wimpy Christian. What does a diary of a wimpy Christian look like? We're going to open those pages. We're going to open up some of those pages. And we're going to reveal some of the secrets of a wimpy Christian's diary. And that's going to be pretty cool because I am I, I'm that person that likes to look into people's diaries when they don't know. I don't think my wife keeps one because I haven't found one. But trust me that if she had a diary, I would have found it and I would have read it already. So we're going to open up some, some of you guys know exactly, you know, and that's what we're going to talk about soon. But today I'm going to talk to you as we finish off our series on victory. Victory. And the reason why I say victory, very simple, it's because we need to remind ourselves that our current battles are not the end of us. And if you're taking notes, you could uh, write that down. That our current battles are not the end of us. Write that there. At this time, I, I want to do what's right. Everyone look at me and say, do what's right, Pastor. And as I do what's right, can you just give a hand for what the Lord is doing through our worship team so that, that way they could sit down and, and receive the word too. Amen. As they make their way down, if you missed that, write that down in your notes. I wanted to talk about victory. Because victory is so important because we need to remind ourselves of our current battles and that those current battles are not the end of us. And please write that down. And listen up, church. Though we face and though we are confronted with tension, listen, listen, and though we are confronted with this climate and surroundings, and I wrote this down, even with the aroma of war. Have you ever been to a gun range? Anyone here ever been to a gun range? You shoot and, and the... Just the smoke and the smell is in your nostrils. And then you drive home and you notice that the gunpowder is on your skin. And you just want to go home and take a shower. You just shot a couple rounds and you're dirty and you feel filthy. I don't know if you've ever been there. And then you go home and you shower up. Well, war has a stench to it. has a climate. has an atmosphere. has this aroma of war. And though you are confronted with it, and though you are faced with it, listen to this. It does not mean, everyone say, it does not mean. Just remind yourself that. It does not mean that victory is absent. It does not mean that victory is impossible and that victory is unrelated to us. Amen? Can I get an amen? That's right then in there and is when... Victory is more present when victory is more possible, when victory is more related to us than we ever think or we could ever believe because God is looking for an opportunity to showcase his majesty, to showcase his glory, to showcase his power, his lordship, and his kingship. And when you are faced and when you are confronted with fear or with war or with a battle, God steps in and says, now is when I can show off my majesty in your life. 
And that's the God that you and I serve. And that's the God that I could go down and then I could go to sleep at night and lay my head on my pillow and say, I serve the God who makes me victorious because he is victorious. You know, I never understood bowing down. And if you do this, I, I, I pray that you read the word of God and, and kind of see how God is kind of calling you out of this. But I come from a very ritual family, how in our past we were in very different religions. And then we became Catholic. And something that was very big to us was we used to bow down to many images and to many idols and pray to many idols. I don't know if any of you can relate to me. I mean, it was so intense that we would even put fruits before some of these idols. Anyone ever done that? You know? One of them liked the banana, the other one liked the apple and, and all that stuff. I don't know if my father remi remembers me being a little kid. <laughs> Let's not even say that story, but... <laughs> We used to put these fruits before a certain idol and before a certain ceramic figure. And I used to tell my dad, I said, Dad, why are, you, why are we putting that, those vegetables, or those fruits, those fruits before that figure and that idol? And he's like, because we got to give respect and reverence to this idol. And I said, but it's ceramic. It's not going to, and I was young and, and I was LD, but I still had some common sense. I mean, I had my learning disabilities and my ADD, HD, and every other D, but, but even with all that, I had common sense where that ceramic thing is not going to wake up and eat that fruit. And I was like, why are we doing this? And, you know, it's so amazing how for so many years I could, and we could serve a false gods who were made out of clay and put all our trust in it, but when we go to sleep, it's still made out of clay. And when we wake up, it's still made out of clay. Or it's still on that wall. And when I wake up, it's still on that wall. And the fruits are still in front of it. But you see, today I come and I stand before you and I tell you that I serve a God that is not made out of clay. And is not made and it's not standing on a wall. And he's not still hanging on a cross. I serve a God that he reigns in majesty and he reigns in power and he reigns in might and he reigns in strength and he reigns in all this stuff that, listen to me, I don't got to offer up fruits and vegetables that he says just offer up your life and offer up your heart and offer up your soul and that's good enough for me. Don't give me anything that's going to be catching mold and don't give me anything that's going to be catching ants and don't give me anything that's going to be catching worms. If you're going to give me something, give me something worth me dying for. That's the God that I serve. And, and I could go up to a God that, that doesn't spoil fruits and doesn't spoil souls. But watch this. I could go up to a God that I could give him my soul. And he says, your spoil will not rot. But because I am victorious, not made out of ceramic and not made out of this certain vessel, I am a true and living God that reigns supreme. I am the most high God. I am the creator of all things made by me, for me, and through me, like Colossians says. So when you offer up your soul to me, nothing gets rotten. Everything becomes alive. And once was dead, becomes alive. And once was in miry clay, I put its feet upon the rock. Everything that was once lost is now found. I serve a God that is true, living, powerful, real, sits at the right hand of the Father. He gives me victory. That's the God I serve. That's the God I serve. He gives us victory. He gives us victory. And all those idols that we used to put fruits for, they never gave me victory. They never gave me prosperity, spiritual. They never gave me what I needed. They gave me a false hope. They gave me a false idea. They gave me a false religion. But when I came into contact with the living God, I started to realize that I didn't need to bow down before an image. I just needed to bow down before the living God. And I didn't have to offer up fruits and animals. I needed to offer up my soul and my life. And then I got to see something that I've never seen with my physical eyes. I got to experience with my spiritual eyes. I'd never seen him walk before me in the physical. But I've seen him create miracles in the spiritual that no ceramic God has ever been able to do for me. That not even Satan in hell is able to establish these things. I've, able, I've been able to see a father who was stuck on drugs. A father who walked out on his family. 
And a father who I thought I once hated, be one to the Lord, is hooked on Jesus, is serving in ministry, and is now loving God. I've been able to see that I serve a God of victory. Listen to me, because I have problems, and you have problems, and sometimes we don't have money, and sometimes we have money, and sometimes we're doing great, and sometimes we're not doing so great, but none of that ever takes away from the fact that God is still victorious. His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. My God, if I could, I'm just going to get back into my notes, because... So here we are in the midst of war when we feel that we are crushed and we feel that we are defeated. And that's when God steps in. And he says, now, now in this, in this is where I am glorified. And in this is where I will show you that only and only in me is found true victory. See, I wanted to end this war Series like this, that there is victory in every aspect of your life, in every chamber in your heart, in every thought in your head. That there is victory because there's a Savior, there's this Savior, there's this Christ, there's this Christ because there's this God who loves you and desires for you to live in victory. That's what I want to talk to you. Victory. Well, what is victory? Very simple. It's a success or triumph. Can you say that? Success or triumph. Over an enemy, over battle, or in war. Victory. Success or triumph. And I don't know what your enemy is today. As we've spoken in the last six weeks, five weeks, today six weeks, I don't know what your enemy is. Because the truth is, in, in my life, it's more than just Satan. And I wrote this down in my notes. Do, do not limit your enemy. Watch this. Or don't excuse it for Satan. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because I grew up in a church that if I got a cold, Satan gave me a cold. I grew up in that. I grew up in a church that if we didn't have money, it's because Satan did that. I grew up in a church that I think taught me wrong about what is Satan and what is fleshful. Are you guys with me? And many times, yes, Satan does come against you, but many times some of... Our biggest battles, and I've shared this week in and week out for years with you, is our very own flesh, our very own wicked heart, our very own evil nature that we got to fight. And many times you could substitute it and say, well, Satan's against me. Let's fast and pray. And I just look at you and say, all right, amen. And deep down, I say, oh, I ain't Satan. That's just your flesh acting crazy. You ever been there with someone? And we can't limit this and we can't excuse it for that. Because let's think about this. Some of our greatest enemies could be the way you think. That could be your greatest enemy. The way you think about yourself, the way you think about others. I catch myself sometimes, and my wife sometimes catches me for me, where I'm on a roll, man, because bam, bam, and I'm pointing fingers, and I'm just like, whoa, what am I doing? And I'll take a step back, humble myself, pray before God, and for, ask for forgiveness. Because sometimes my greatest enemy is the way I think about myself and the way I think about others. Maybe it's the way you live. It could, it could be that thing that is closest to you as we speak today. What is the enemy in your life? That one or maybe two or three things that you just can't get rid of. Well, listen. Victory. Success. Triumph over that thing today in war. Triumph over it. Now I ask you this question. Ready? Listen, listen, over here. Can you? Can you have victory over those enemies in your life? If you're taking notes, very simple question I want you to write down and examine today is this. Can I? Question mark. Can I have victory? I want to talk to you a little bit about David. We all know David, right? Maybe not. All right. Let's do this again. We're going to talk a little bit about David today. We all know David, right? All right. Amen. There you go. That was weird. And David, David had an enemy. An enemy, if you could remember, that was in his way. You guys remember? What's his name? All right, Goliath. An enemy that was in his way, and watch this, and David needed him out of his way. David needed him out. Uh, listen to me, listen to me. If I need to go to the promised land over there, and I have about a nine-foot giant 
who is known all throughout pay-per-view, who is known all throughout every single country, who has scars of battle, and he's undefeated, he's never been beaten. He is the toughest man to ever walk on the face of the earth. And I'm little young David, my teenage years, wimpy, small, ruddy, just came from hanging out with some sheep, brought some food for my brothers, just talked to King Saul, I tried on his garments, they didn't fit, they were too heavy. So I walk out up to him with a little, uh, how many of you had one when you were small, huh? Any of you had a slingshot when you were small? I had one. It's the worst, watch this, it is the worst gift to have when you're little. Because I had it for years, it was a nice one. And I never got to use it. Think about a slingshot. When in the world was I going to sling my shot? When? Was I going to hit somebody? No. Was I going to kill an animal? No. I'm going to get arrested as a little kid. So I had this slingshot, and I was always so tempted. Like, I lived with my sister who was three years, and growing up, she was tougher than me. So one day, I just put a beat down on her. But she was always tougher than me in my first couple of years. But do you know how many times I had my slingshot? I said, how awesome would it be if I put a pebble in this slingshot, and I just sting my sister one time to show her what's up? It's the dumbest gift to have. When I have a child, I will not give my child a slingshot. Because you never use it. So here's David. He says, I can't use the spear. Uh, I can't use the sword. I can't use the shield. I can't use the breastplate, the helmet. I can't use the, the boots. So I guess I'll use what I've always had in my room for all these years that I've never been able to use. Man, have I been wanting to beat up some of my brothers with this slingshot. But he sees this guy named Goliath, and David needed to go somewhere. Everyone say this, ready? He needed to go somewhere. Come on, church, listen. There's some of you in here this morning that need to go somewhere. You should, that's an amen. And I'm not saying go fly a kite. That's not where I'm telling you you need to go. I'm telling you in a positive way. There's some of you that God is calling you somewhere and you need to get there. But there's a giant named Goliath and he's standing in the middle defiling the armies of God. And he's defiling everything that you believe in. And you haven't been able to confront him because you got this fear that everything about you is going to be defeated once you confront that thing that stands before you. Listen church, you need to go somewhere. You need to. And here's David and he needed to go somewhere. And he said, I guess I'll take my... My slingshot with me. Why not? Haven't used it yet. Might as well use it now. David had an enemy that was in his way. And listen to this, church. If you're taking notes, this is some good points. He needed him out. And some of you have an enemy in your way. And church, I tell you today that you need them out. Get them what are your enemies? Can, can you be private today between you and God? Right now, right now, right now, you and God. And can you tell God, these are my enemies. This is my enemies. Here they are. See, something happened with David. And what he did was he didn't back down from his enemy. He didn't walk away. Listen, if I'm standing before a nine-foot guy... I, I stood next to Shaq one day, and Shaq is like 7'1", and that was big for me. I can't picture someone two feet taller than Shaquille O'Neal. I can't picture someone who fights as much as Goliath did and won so much. And here I am at 5'7", and I'm pushing 5'7". You know, I'm like stretching every morning to try to get there. And, and to confront something of this magnitude. But that's exactly what David did. Listen, David confronted it, and I want you to write this down in your notes. It is time that you confront, write this down, confront that which God is calling you to have victory over. Can you write that down? Confront that which God is calling you to have victory over. Listen, I don't care if you take your slingshot. Take your slingshot. Whatever you need to do, confront the thing that God is calling you. So what happens to David? He walks up to his enemy. But watch this. He walks up to his enemy in the middle of war. They were about to go to war. Do you guys understand that the Philistines were on that side, the children of Israel were on this side, and there was about to break off a mighty war right there in the land. Do you guys understand what's going on here? What, I'm, what, I, what, I, what am I saying? I'm, I'm talking about 1 Samuel here in chapter 17. There's, there's a mighty war going on. And here's David, and there's the Philistines, and they're about to go to war, the Israelites and the Philistines. And David confronts his enemy in the middle of war. Listen, 
the stench of war was there, the climate, the tension, the surroundings were ready for war. But he was ready to stand in victory, watch this, when everyone else saw the feet. Can I share about this for a little bit? Because David's brothers were there. There was about seven of them, right, if I'm not mistaken? About seven of them. And every single one of those brothers were ready to fight for Israel. They were tough. Israel was ready, but the Philistines were even tougher. And right when they were about to go to battle, David says, hey, I came to bring bread and water from home. And the brother says, shut up, you're crazy, you're a little kid, go back home. And he says, no, I ain't going back home. You guys are scared of this guy? And he says, go back home, that's Goliath, go back home. And they says, I ain't going back home. I know that's improper, but I ain't going back home. And he confronts him, and watch this. The king saw, thought he was crazy. The brothers thought he was crazy. Trust me, the whole children of Israel, the army of Israel thought he was crazy. Why? Because when you confront that thing that has been defeating you for so many years and everyone is so used to you being defeated to that one thing and then you finally tell people, I'm actually going to conquer this thing in the name of Jesus and I'm actually not going to get done with this thing until I see victory at the end. There's going to be some people that are even closest to you that you trust with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your soul that are going to be whispering things to you saying, you're crazy, go back home, you're never going to defeat it. Why? Because everyone else sees the feet but there's something inside your spirit that says when everyone else sees the feet, God has promised me victory and I promise you I'll never forget there's been times in my life where I know for a fact that God has been calling me to something and I know for a fact that God is calling me to confront something and then I've had voices of my family and I've had voices of friends and I've had voices of people that I look up to spiritually and they've spoken things to my ear I'm like man I think I know God's voice but I could have sworn it was totally opposite than what they said. That's why it's so important that you don't just trust King Saul on his own. Because if King David would have just trusted King Saul, Israel would have been in a lot of problems. But there's something about David that clicks. He had a relationship with God and a heart that was after God's own heart. And when you come to a place where you know God and God knows you and he could stand for you and you could stand for him and you hear his voice and you know that God has called you for victory over something when everyone else sees defeat, you stand in power, you confront it because you know that there's a promise from God. And, and, and here's David. He was ready to stand in victory when everyone else saw defeat. I'm going to stop the play right now. I'm, I'm showing you a movie. I'm going to press stop. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to rewind and go to another episode of time. But then there's another man named Elijah. Elijah was a mighty man. And you could read his story in 1 Kings, especially chapter 19. And Elijah was doing great things. He was one of the prophets of God living during the time. And there was one person who was very evil in the time of Elijah. Anyone remember her name? Jezebel. And her husband, who was king, who was his name? Ahab. And something happened one day where Jezebel, Jezebel kills all the prophets of God. Every single one but Elijah, I need you to listen to this. We stopped on David. I'm pressing play on Elijah right now. He was scared for his life. Watch this. Because they just killed all the prophets of God. I'll be scared too. Let me tell you what this is like. Ready? This is like someone who takes power right now and kills every single pastor from Dade County all the way up to Broward County, and I'm the last one. And I'm like, statistically, this does not look good. No way. <laughs> I am not even the 1% right now that's alive. Every single pastor is dead, and I'm the only one pastor that's alive. That's what happened to Elijah. Every single prophet is dead, and he's the only prophet that's alive. There's a reason for that. He's scared out of his mind. Evil Jezebel then sends a word through one of her messengers and says, go tell Elijah this in chapter 19. And look what she says. This will freak you out if you were the last pastor in Dade and Broward County. Ready? Look what she says to him. Tomorrow I will make your life like one of them. Come on, let's read between the lines. What does that mean, guys? Yeah, you're dead. Okay? You're dead. Right there is when I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm dying. That's when I start writing my letter to tell my family I love them. That's when all the text messages go out. That's, with, that's the day that I go visit every single person that I haven't visited in years and tell them that I love them all because I know I'm going to die. So Elijah 
is terrified. And watch this. Verse 3 of chapter 19 of the book of 1 Kings says this. It says that Elijah ran for his life. That's so awesome. I mean, it's not, but it, you'll see. He ran for his life. What happened to Elijah, guys? There was a giant in his way. And Elijah, listen, listen. Elijah needed to go somewhere. But his giant's name was Jezebel and Ahab. And he was scared to confront his giant. And as long as he could not confront his giant, listen, he could not get to where God wanted him to get to. See, I want eternity bad. If you hang out with me, it's almost scary of how much I talk to you about how bad I want to be in heaven already. Okay? I want to be in heaven. But listen, I know I got some giants on earth that I'm conquering before I ever get to heaven. See, God's not done with me yet. If he was, he would have called the ends already. But as long as God has me on earth, I'm still calling victory over some things in my life. Amen? So here is Elijah. He needed to go somewhere in his life, and he, I mean, and he runs away from it, and he runs for his life. I have a testimony that I don't have time to share it all with you today. But I was a youth pastor, summary, and my youth ministry was growing. It was bigger than this, and it was just growing. It was multiplying. God was doing some amazing things, and we would do some concerts, and we would do some amazing getaways. And God was just doing some amazing things. But God did something in year number six. Ain't that funny? Everyone say six. The number of <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was funny. And a number of men, he stops me and says, your ministry's done here. And I didn't understand it. My youth ministry went from one something to like five youth. I was like, what happened? And God spoke to me. And he says, this is what you need to do. And I laughed in God's face through a man of God in my life. And I said, I will never do what this guy's asking me to do. And I, throughout a year, I wrestled with God, and I felt like that laughter was a laughter to God's face. God wanted me to go somewhere. Listen, listen. But I never confronted the thing where he wanted me to confront to get there. That year was probably one of the worst years of my life in ministry as an individual, as a Christian, as a person, as a man, as an everything. Because I went through depression I lost my ministry. I was a mess and I was a wreck in here. Outside, I was smiling. I looked like everything was okay. Hey, I'm doing great. God bless you, brother. Amen. Fast and pray. Your God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. I knew the whole Christianese thing and I knew what to do, right? But something happened within that year. I was a mess, rotten mess deep down inside. Only me and God knew that. I fooled everyone else. But when I went home, I was crying tears because I know that God knew who I really was. A whole year of bitterness and hurt and pain. Watch this. Because God wanted me to go somewhere. Everyone say, God wants me to go somewhere. But I wasn't willing to confront that thing that I needed to confront to get to the place where God wanted me to get to. There could have been fear. What is man going to think of me? Where am I going to go? But can I tell you something? I ran just like Elijah ran, and I ran into my own cave. I really did. But God one day, I will never forget the day he did this. He put me in contact with something that he revealed everything. And it was like light. You know when light reveals darkness? That's what happened to me. Light shone on me and everything just kind of like came out of my pores. And I said, oh my God, that's what's going on in me. I was finally able to confront the giant in my life. And that was year six of my ministry of 2006. I started in... 2000 or whatnot. And then from that moment on, when I began to confront every giant, miracles started to take place in my life. One after another, after another, after another. And all I could tell you is because I got to the place where God wanted me to get to because I confronted the things that God wanted me to confront. I don't know what those things are, so I could preach on the 10 top things that you have to confront. But in your life, that might not be one of them. You know what are those things that you need to confront. Some serious sin in your life. Some serious habits in your life. Some serious people in your life. Some serious thoughts in your life. I don't know what your thing is. But my thing might have been different than your thing. That year we started our ministry, 2007, the next year. Bam. He introduced me to my future wife. Bam. I mean, just bam, 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 bam. Why? 
Because I confronted that which God is calling me to have victory over. And I finally got to see victory in my own life. Amen. So today I'm going to ask you this. If you study the life of Elijah, God had grace and plans for him. And Elijah eventually succeeded through the victory of God. But who will you choose to be today? Look at the times that we live in. It smells like war and it's surroundings of war and there is tensions of war. Will you confront David or will you, will you confront like David or will you run like Elijah is my question to you. See, David's enemy saw him coming towards him. We're back to David. We're going to press stop on Elijah. We're probably just going to throw him out and we're going to stay on David. Press play. Can we do that? And here is David and he runs towards this giant named Goliath. And Goliath sees him, check this out, in chapter 17, verse 43. And look what um, does to David. David runs up to him and he has, what does he have in his hand? A slingshot made out of wood. And the big old Goliath looks at him and he says something in verse 43. He says, am I a dog that you should come? You, you live in a neighborhood that old people just walk around with the sticks? You know? I look at him and I was like, bro, that stick is not going to do anything to that dog. You guys, are, right? All right, back over here. You guys are looking at me with some face like, never. Okay, I've seen that in my neighborhood. Little sticks, and they're like, protecting for the dog. Listen, one whip on the dog, and that stick's going to break, okay? The dog might catch it with his mouth. So here's David. He's going to attack Goliath, and Goliath says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And then watch this. It says that he cursed David by his own gods, by Goliath's gods. And look what he tells David next. Come here. And I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. My God. What does war mean? Well, let me give you the definition of what war means. And war means this. Ready? War is a conflict that is carried by force. War, if you remember this from week one when I broke it down, it was active hostility or contention. It was an aggressive conflict between parties. You guys remember that? So here's David with the... Goliath, and we could write down some points. Victory always follows a time of battle. You can't expect to have victory and not fight in any battle. Victory comes with struggle, with pain, with discipline. Listen to me. Victory even comes with threats being thrown at you. Victory never comes easy. We've seen that in victory, we don't have to be the strongest, we don't have to be the most talented, and we don't have to be the most experienced to have victory. Church, listen, victory is rarely even achieved by luck. Write this down in your notes. But victory is very often achieved by favor. Oh, man. I could just, I could just make a left right here and preach on favor, but I'm not going to do that. It's not luck, but it's favor in your life. David was the underdog. All the odds were against David in 1 Samuel. But listen to my next point. God doesn't need people's opinions of what should happen. Because he already decides on his own who deserves victory and who does not. Man, praise God. If you guys missed that, man. God doesn't need people's opinion. God doesn't need people's ideas. He's already decided. Here's the day that was going to be the end of Goliath's win streak. And it was going to be the beginning of David's days of favor. Everyone say, the beginning days of favor. Do you believe that in your life? Well, don't preach favor. No, preach favor. Do you believe that if you are a child of God, that the favor of God is over your life today? You see, some of your victories haven't been achieved because you haven't been able to walk in the favor that God's already given you, which gives you the victory that's already been entrusted and that's already been promised to you. You are a child of favor, and it's important that we understand that. And here's David, and now his days of favor will begin. Let's check out David. The one that should have never won now wins. David was always in this position of defeat. I'll prove it to you. There was one time when he was hanging out with some sheep. And I shared this. And one of his sheep gets lost. And he says, oh, junk, one of my sheep are lost. What shall I do? And he says, well, I should go and rescue it because that's how I make my money and my living. 
He leaves his sheep in the sheepfold and he goes to run after that sheep. But guess what he confronts on the way to running into that sheep? Anyone want to take a little wild guess? A lion. Roar. And roars at him. The Bible says that with his very own hands, he defeated the lion. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty confident. I could beat up lions. And then another day, his sheepfolds are just kind of dumb and they're hanging out in the shade. And another enemy comes. Anyone want to take a guess on that one? A bear. I don't know what bears make. I don't know. Roar. I don't know. That's a lion. I don't know. And he says, oh, junk, what should I do? And he defeats the bear with his own. The Bible says that David defeated a lion and a bear with his own hands. Not a slingshot. Not a bow and arrow. Not a heavy-duty rock. He said, with my own hands. That's a strong little man. Back over here. David was always put in the position to fail. <laughs> David was always put in the position to lose, to never win. But David always showed that the favor of God was in his life. And in the middle of the worst times of his life, God showcased his majesty and glory. And, God, and he showed the world that my God is victorious. Now watch this. David was always stuck in that predicament. Can I go one more example? They needed a king in Israel. So Samuel comes and says, Jesse, who's David's dad, bring me all your sons. Every son gets put in front of Jesse. And he's about to anoint. No, not this one, not this one. And God says, it's none of these sons of Jesse. And now Samuel's a mess. Like, you told me to come over here, God. I mean, I would have loved to have been there in that conversation. And you told me that one of these kids were going to be the next king. And none of them are the king. You're driving me nuts, God. And God says, ask him if there's any more. And Samuel says, hey, let me ask you a question. Do you have any more sons? He says, yeah, but that one doesn't, that one doesn't count. You don't want to see my son, David. He's ruddy, little, frail, cute little boy. Watch this. He's hanging out with the sheep. You don't want the, the, one, you want the smartest, you want the strongest, you want the, the build, the muscle. You don't want little David. And he goes, bring him to me. And when he saw him, God said this, that's him, that's him. Because God does not see, the Bible says this in the same story, God does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. This was nothing new for David. The Lord was preparing David from day one. Little did Jesse know, his dad... That David, a couple hours ago, just beat the heck out of a lion with his own hands. You don't want David. He's just a little punk son of mine. He's so obnoxious. Can you imagine David walking obnoxious? I've never seen any of your other sons up a lion with the... Come on, man. See, this was nothing new for him. The Lord was preparing him. And I want you to remind yourself that your current battles... Listen are not the end of you. Write this down in your notes. The Lord is preparing you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. The Lord is preparing you. I'm close to ending. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9 says this. Do we have it? Look at this, guys. Small font up there, but you get it. It says... We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not what, church? Destroyed. I, I, I want you to understand what happens to David's life. So let's press play again because we paused it. He confronts the giant who just said, Am I some sort of dog that you come with sticks and stones? And then David does this. Ready? David looks at the Philistine in verse 45. I love this. This is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. And he says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defiled. Watch this. The day of the Lord, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the, of the Philistine army to the birds and to the wild animals. Look what David is saying. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And then it goes on. Okay, amen. And then it goes on and says, 
all those gathered here, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword nor by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you all into your hands. Church, I'm here to tell you something. That though the enemy might come with you with spear and javelin and all these things, you come against your giant in the name of the Lord so that everyone that is present around you could know that there is a God in you and that he reigns victorious this is David's life David should have never had the victory according to man's perspective but I wrote this on my notes who says with an explanation point and a question mark who says that David should have never had victory ready who says that you should never have victory who says who said your mama Your pastor, your wife, your husband, your best friend. Who says that you can't have victory? Because my Bible teaches me something totally different. My Bible teaches me that if the Lord has placed his favor, listen, and his grace upon me, then there's no telling what I might confront and destroy and have victory over. Anyone here have some favor and some grace over their life? I might not be, church, the biggest, definitely. And I might not be the smartest, church. Hey, be careful now. <laughs> I need, careful. Definitely. Some of you guys were looking forward to saying that. It's messed up. No, I might be the most successful. I won't get mad. Or the sharpest. Y'all scared now. Or the most talented. But watch this. None of that matters. Because I come against my enemy. And I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And in him. And in him is where my victory is found. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Charlie. Definitely. Not in me. Not in me. Not in me. But in him. Definitely. There's victory. You are not at your end, church. Listen. You're just getting started. And your Lord is getting ready to showcase his majesty, his glory, his lordship, his power, his kingship over your life. Definitely. Week number two, I quoted something from Winston Churchill, and I want to quote it again if you don't mind. I'm going to ask Danny to come up here. And it's this, you ask, what is your aim? Winston Churchill quote says this, you ask, what is your aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory. Victory at all costs, victory in spite of terror, victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory, there is no survival. Psalms 5:12 says, For you are blessed, for you bless the righteous, O Lord, and you cover him with favor as with a shield. Wow. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 all the way to verses 14. It talks about God's blessing over Israel, God's people. And look what he says. I'm going to read it out here. It says this. And I'm reading from a, an easy translation so you can catch this. If you listen obediently to the voice of God, your God, and you obey all his commandments that I command you today, God, your God, will place you on high. Come on, church. High above all the nations of the world. All these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, of your God. I know this is Israel, and I don't want to take it out of context. I know this is, I'm not dumb, like, I, I know the Bible. This is Israel. This is Israel. Like, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to twist anything here. This is Israel he's talking about. But, but I also know the God that I serve. And if he could do this in Israel, who says he can't do this in me? He could do this in us. He could, he could move in power and in might and in strength. Yes, he can. He can do that. Who says? He says, God's blessing you. 
you will see God's blessing in your city. How many can say amen? God's blessing in your country. God's blessing on your children. God's blessing in the crops of your land. God's blessing on the young of your livestock. God's blessing on the calves of your herds. God's blessing on the lambs of your flocks. God's blessing on your basket and bread bowl. Wow. God's blessing in your coming in and God's blessing in your going out. Listen, God will defeat your enemies, enemies who attack you and they'll come at you one road and run away on seven roads. God will order a blessing on your barns and on your workplaces. He'll bless you in the land that God, your God, has given you. Anyone have a place to go? You got somewhere to go? I'm not talking about right now. I know you guys got a place to go. I'm talking about spiritually. Y'all like, yeah, man, I'm turning up. I'm talking about you guys got a place to go spiritually? God is calling you somewhere? God is calling you for greater things? God is calling you. He told Israel... you in your land, in your land, the land that he has for you. The land that your God in verse 8 says is giving you and God will form you as a people that are holy, that are set apart to him just as he has promised you that if you keep his commandments, the commandments of God, your God, and you live in the way that he has shown you, that all the peoples on the earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respect for all. That's what I want, man. Daddy, I want that. I want that when people see me, they say, my God, Regal lives under the tree covering favor, grace of God. And I say, heck yeah. Because there's nothing in me that deserves it. There's nothing in me that's worthy of it. All the glory and all the praise goes to the victorious one, almighty Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I'm under his favor and under his grace because in me, there is nothing but disgrace and unfavor, but God makes me favorable. God. I want people... I want people that when they see me, they say, him, him, and they say, yeah, that shows you that God is real. Because there ain't nothing about me that deserves God's grace, favor, blessing. And let's keep reading here. And then it says this. All the peoples will see you under that name. And God will lavish you with good things. Children from your youth. Children, sorry, from your womb. I'd rather that. My child will be up here one day. <laughs> Offspring from your animals, crops from your land. Land that God promised you and your ancestors that he would give you. God will throw open the doors of the sky vaults and pour rain on your land on schedule and bless the work that you take in hand. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself won't have to take out a loan. Man, Israel's blessed. This is Israel. Israel's blessed. God will make you the head and not the tail. You'll always be the... I love, I love this translation. You'll always be the top dog. You know what that means? Anyone into dog training here? Dog? Alpha what? This is alpha male. You know, when you get a dog that's wild, you got to train them and teach them that you're the alpha male. That when you get in the room, shh, you don't speak. <laughs> that when you're in the house, you don't jump on the couch. Shh, you don't pee in here. The alpha male. And he says, you'll always be the alpha male, the top dog. Never the bottom dog. Don't find that in the New King James. You're not going to find that. It's not going to happen. As you obediently listen to and diligently keep the commands of our God or your God, I'm commanding you today, don't swerve. I love this. Do not, do not even swerve an inch to the right or an inch to the left from the words that I've commanded you today by going off, following, and worshiping other gods. Don't even think about it in your life. Stay on track. Stay on track. Serve God. Stay on track. Stay on track. Because on this track, you will experience long-lasting victory. On those tracks, you will experience short little victories but defeat in battle, defeat in war. See, I'd rather lose some battles and win the war than win some battles and lose the war. Anyone with me? At least that's me. And I have lost some battles. But there's going to be a day when I'm hanging out one day and a trumpet will blow and I will open up my eyes and I won't even recognize myself. Because I've been caught up with heaven, with Christ in heaven. In the twinkling of an eye, I will be with my God. 
And then I will look at all my enemies who are left behind and not boast in their being left behind, but boast that I finally have eternal victory. I might have lost some battles, but at the end, we win the war. There's victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. I'm going to skip some verses because I'm going to end this. I'm going to skip. I, I, I wanted to give you guys First Chronicles uh, 29, 11 to 13. You could read that on your own, but I'm going to jump into my last scripture of the day and we close off. It's 1 Corinthians 15. Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. And this is what he says. I tell you this, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does perishable inherit the imperishable. I tell you a mystery that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. That's what I was just talking about. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Amen. For this perishable body will put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Watch this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Come on, man. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Where? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But, but, but. Everyone say, but. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved new lifers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Fellow new lifers, stay steady, immovable, stay planted. Your work in the Lord is not in vain. This is not the end of you. In this war, I promise you this. I can't promise you much, but I promise you this. There is victory with Jesus. Lord, you know every person that's here today. You know who's running and you know who's confronting but Lord I'm so blessed by this series of war that we've just done that we've just finished Lord if there's anyone here today let them see victory let them experience victory let them see that, Lord, that this is not the end of them. That they have a place to go. But they got to confront some things in their life. That victory doesn't come easy. Victory comes with some battles. Victory comes with some hurt. Victory comes with some stretching, with some pain. Victory comes with some scars at times. Lord, victory definitely comes with some threats. But Lord, let them see that it doesn't matter how big their giants are, that there's victory, that they don't have to run to a cave because someone whispered to them, you will become like one of them. But that Lord, they would stand knowing that there is favor in their lives and that there, there is a grace that no one can cut them away from. Like we just read Paul writing to the church that they would be immovable, steadfast, abounding in the work of the Lord. 
that the work of the Lord, that the work that they do with their hands for Jesus Christ would not be in vain, that they would see the fruit of their labor, that days of harvest may come to encourage them. I thank you for every person that's here because you wanted every person to hear this message, to encourage them that there is victory, that this is not the end. I thank you for the opportunity to share this word with your people. Lord, I I don't want to do an altar call because I'll be in shock if every single person was not up here crying out for victory. So in our lives, you know every battle. You know every struggle, every conflict. And I pray that, like David, who had many faults, but like David, we would stand and confront because we got a place to go, a land that God has given us. Lord, bless your children. Bless the young, the old, the in-between. Bless the woman, bless the man. Bless the child, bless the father, bless the mother, the husband, the wife. I pray that you would bless them through this word today. That their life would never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give God some praise for you? I have some announcements I want to make and then I have a special presentation.